This Hug and a High Five podcast on giving and receiving feedback was recorded before the George Floyd incident and the ensuing protests and riots that have swept the nation. Yet giving and receiving feedback is an important communication skill to cultivate in our culture today. So we have chosen to share our conversation on giving and receiving feedback. In our next podcast, Ingrid and I will discuss the events of this week and the new action we are taking in response to these events. Take a little dip into thinking about feedback and how we give it and receive it from each other as adults. It's difficult as you age knowing how to share feedback with you. The double ask, can I give you feedback and can I receive your feedback? Hello and welcome to Hug and a High Five. It's a mom and daughter podcast journal. I'm Ingrid, I'm the daughter. And I'm Vicki, I'm the mom. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult. I'm trying to figure out how to parent an adult and live as an adult who is more than a parent. I live in New York City. And I live in Los Angeles. And this is Hug and a High Five. Hello, Ingrid. Hello. It's sunny and pleasant here in California. How about you? Yeah, here too. It was like perfect out today. Like 65 and sunny. A little bit chilly as we walked home, but like a a really bright, beautiful chilly from, from the park. It's all good. That's nice. We went to the park and we threw the softball back and forth with each other for an hour and my arm is tired Oof. now. <laughs> I can only imagine. That's a long time of conditioning on one arm. Yeah, I was thinking it would be nice if I could switch off, but you can't. And not very many people can throw strong and accurate with both hands. I mean, you can, but it won't be strong or accurate. <laughs> Prepare for a wild pitch. Yeah. A wild ball, definitely. (laughs) That does bring us to the topic of the day, which is sharing feedback with each other. What made you think of this topic, Mama? Well, I've had a few instances this week where I received feedback from different people in my life. So I thought about it, and I also participate in the Big Life Journal weekly emails and they have free printables and their printable this week was on sharing feedback with your child. And I thought that that would be a great conversation because it's difficult. It's difficult as you age knowing how to share feedback with you. Ideally, it's something you learn as a parent with a younger child and then you just continue to live out healthy sharing of feedback. But it's easy to give feedback to a child, which might not be very positive for the child to receive. I think it can raise lots of problems for children when you share feedback in kind of an authoritarian way or a passive aggressive way or a sarcastic way. And then when the tables are turned, when you become an adult as a child, You have more opportunity to share feedback with me, and you may share feedback in the way that I shared it with you, and I might not like it very much. And you might be, well, this is what I heard. This is how you shared it with me. So it's definitely a place of growth. I thought we could talk about that. What's your reaction to feedback? I'm glad that you couched it that way. That's helpful context for me. It is true that I think as a child, your parent has a lot of 
space for unsolicited advice or whatever because you're too young to ask for it really and like they need to do that to show you the way the world works <laughs> but because we're fallible it's easy to maybe not always have that be kind mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about that immediately when you said feedback but you're right that could create some baggage mm-hmm. as a child growing up I'm sure that there are examples of me turning around and giving you feedback in a way that you didn't like but then realizing oh that is the way that I give feedback sometimes. I wonder if there's a way for like a young mom or a mom of a young kid to practice asking, Mm. can I give you feedback on this? Because that was definitely a tricky thing that we had to, I mean, we still are dealing with it, but we really had to deal with in college was me not wanting to hear any of your um, advice or perspective. And so you and dad have gotten into a good habit of asking if I'm ready to hear it. Do you want my perspective on that right now? You know, can I give you my, my feedback? I heard a story once, this is a different example, but I heard a story once of a mom who was extra passionate about making sure that her child never felt like she was obligated to give physical affection to anyone. And so even with her own child, she asked at like a two or three year old young age, can I hug you? Can I give you a kiss? Even though it was her own baby so that her child had the option. And then if she was like, no, not right now, she would respect it. Mm. I've heard a mom say that this year. She's teaching her child, you're in charge of your body, and I'm in charge of keeping you safe kind of thing. So you get permission to tell me if you don't want a hug, which is respectful, and to a degree, hopefully parents understand when their child doesn't want a hug. I don't think I thought about it. I'm not sure that I taught you guys. I think that that is going a step further. I think that seems valuable. So I feel kind of similar about the feedback thing. I bet you could pretty young actually say, like, are you interested in my thoughts for this right now? As long as it wasn't a situation where they were in actual danger. Yeah. Well, again, that goes back to keeping you safe. When you guys were little, we didn't have the language of giving feedback as much as the language of just obey what I say kind of right away, no delay. So it's a little bit of a perspective shift. Well, that's interesting because I do think there's a difference between feedback and obey. Right. Yeah. Truthfully, my perspective on the whole concept of obedience is different than it used to be. It's definitely shifted. Well, there are things that can be cut and dry about obeying. I mean, if you give me a command, then I'm supposed to obey it. But you're right, going going into adulthood, I suppose there are things that would have been commands as a kid that now just have to be your perspective. I would say you need to obey my words if I'm keeping you safe. And that's non-negotiable. But there's a lot of things in life. I think you could look at it in under the perspective of is this a negotiable or a non-negotiable situation. Right. And wherever something is negotiable, then I think it's honoring to ask someone, may I give you my feedback right now? And give them the control to say, right. no, I don't really want to hear it most of the time if you learn how to if you ask permission and you learn how to give feedback in an honoring way I would say that people would say yeah Mm -hmm. you're a safe person you're not going to smush me (laughs) when I ask for feedback 
the, the, the very fact that you are asking if you can give you feedback makes you a much safer person. Which is powerful. I think the timing is important. And the main point they recommend here is pause before you give the feedback and, and reflect. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? And a lot of times things can be true and helpful, but they might not be kind because you might want to be just like nitpicky. And, and if you find yourself getting nitpicky, I think you've like slipped in the kindness factor. <laughs> That's hard. I do that even with people I'm like training at Trader Joe's. It's hard to give up that control when you feel like you have a better way to do it. The second point they put in this article is uh, focus on how. You make a how statement. I, Mm -hmm. I love how you did this. Totally. Could you do this too? The other thing, and we might have mentioned this in another podcast, this is what I love, this is what I like, and this is what I have questions about. Parameters right there around giving feedback is really helpful. Yeah. But it's so easy to be knee-jerk, to jump in. I think the main thing to recognize is while you might have a different way to do it, Mm -hmm. my way or your way might not be better, not to put an evaluation on. It's just different. It might not be better. That is something that a parent has to grapple with as their child grows and finds ways of doing things in the world. And you also have to grapple with as you turn around, you know, and become proficient in something that I might not be proficient in. Right. Maybe just because you're being passionate about it. Supporting a growth mindset is another one. Focus on the process, not on the end. And praise the effort and the hard work. Focus on actions rather than personality. And then model it, of course. We're at that stage in life where the model it is more of a pendulum back and forth. It didn't land with me a minute ago, the praise the how. But the more I think about it, I can understand why that's so important. Because when you say, I love how you did something, or when you offer your perspective on how to do it, it is a lot more tangible. I I do feel that there's probably a lot of times where whether or not this was the intention, the reception of someone else's perspective to you is a, like, sounds like a judgment on your character. Yeah. How come, you know, why didn't you think about it this way? A little bit of like, this makes you a bad person because you didn't already know this. And that's usually just the reception. Right. But if the sender gives a how statement, I have an idea about how to get to your goal instead of why you would get to that goal or if that's the right goal. It might be less easy to misconstrue. Right. The other thing they point out in this article is to give feedback on a behavior on actions rather than a personality. So rather than saying, you're always so rude, saying what you said sounded rude to me. Think of the specific situation, describe the behavior, describe how it impacted your thoughts and feelings. That is a more honoring way to give feedback and less like antagonistic. Right. I have to say this keeps, I keep thinking about as you're talking about this, how helpful preemptive conversations were growing up shaping conversations oh formative conversations yeah formative versus reactive that's what you call them formative conversations because 
I mean, yes, I, we would all love to be able to take 10 seconds to breathe in the middle of being annoyed by something and realize and like figure out how to say to the other person, it's not that you're rude, but I feel rude. I feel offended by this. But that's hard in the middle of things. I do think that growing up, often things that would have become triggers, sometimes they still did, because um, we're regular people, were helped by formative conversations. If we had a formative conversation as a family about the expectation of something, later, basically what you do is, as a parent especially, is give feedback for how well the child has met the expectation but it's been, it's already a, a two-way agreement. So that there, so there's groundwork laid and it isn't quite so much ever about the child doing something wrong because, or like the child being wrong personally, because you've already talked about the actions separate to their character. Yeah, it is much easier when you do have formative conversations, which I think is what becomes tricky as we grow and uh, have relationship with an adult child because those formative conversations kind of don't happen really as much. You just are living life and it's kind of like learning how to give feedback to your peers. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so hard. <laughs> Well, yeah, I was thinking about giving feedback to an apartment mate. Yeah, I just don't do it usually. We have someone who lives with us who has lived with us for three years. We call her our housemate and we love her. But there has been times, you know, like personal boundary situations where we've had to have hard conversations. And usually it starts in a text by the other person and or sometimes me. Interesting. And then we have a conversation about it. But it's always difficult. It's never just like easy. <laughs> yeah. The hope is that only it only takes one. The first one's always the hardest to set the precedent. And then you can say... Can we have another kind of this kind of conversation? Yeah. Because you've done it before. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of, of things recently where we have had a sort of formative conversation. The example I'm thinking about is a kind of interesting one where I remember biting my tongue in the middle of being frustrated about this, knowing that that was not going to help get my point across, and waiting until I was calm in another situation before bringing it up to you. Oh, which yeah, Which was yeah. about your driving style. Where I shared, I feel that you race to lights pretty often, and I feel nervous racing up to lights. Is, do you mind slowing down sooner when I'm in the car with you? Yeah, that is a good example, and it's a really delicate situation, and it's absolutely better if you share it when we're not in a car. Because it was so hard, and I remember, like, almost being like mom slow down <laughs> which wouldn't have helped anything but it would have been way easier to do yeah that is a great example of giving feedback just being able to say it when you're not in the car and say hey and then you're able to share i feel the impact to me is i feel nervous when you race up to lights right which again is a great i feel statement not a you are statement uh-huh that is a great example mm-hmm. as we age you know as i'm sure i will be in the car with my dad at some point where I feel really nervous with him. And I know how my parents had to 
take the keys away from their parents and daddy's parents had to take away the keys away from their parents and say, you know what, it's time to stop driving. Yeah. One of the concepts they give here is um, actively seek feedback and discuss how it made you feel. That, I think, is extremely helpful for us, too, as adults. Yeah, I know why I thought of this actually now, I remember, because in my parent education classes, we had surveys that were sent out. So that seeking out feedback is delicate, but being able to talk about how it makes you feel, that is really valuable. I had to kind of talk myself through it, saying, you know, that I want to receive this feedback, but it's hard to receive this feedback, and I'd rather it all be positive. But if it was all positive, then I wouldn't learn anything. So <laughs> Good. Good positive self-talk. That's really helpful um, for us, especially like daughter portion of a mom and daughter relationship. As we grow up, I'm thinking about something that Dawn and Kari said in our interview with them and their mom about how important it was as the daughters grow up to reach out to their mom mm. and basically just show have an invitation to show that I still want your input in my life and it does get to be much more two-way so I think that's really important because I do need to find places to specifically ask for your mm. input because mm-hmm. if it's always you asking if you I will receive mm. then there's a like a weird power trip all of a sudden like backward thing happening there hmm. about like what I will allow when no it, it needs to be a relationship it needs to be a conversation both ways which means I need to ask for it too mm-hmm. and eventually you would ask for it from me uh, one of our good friends in Brooklyn who I the people I lived with my first month hmm. she and I talked a lot about that about when her mom started calling her and saying what should I do? What kind of couch should I buy? Or like whatever it was, yeah. little things where she kind of looked around and went, mom is asking me for advice. <laughs> you know? Whoa. Yeah. I think that that's nice. And that does show the tables have turned a little bit. And, um, the curls did demonstrate that to us that they ask each other and they ask their mom and their mom asks them for input. Right. I think one place I really appreciate that in our relationship is in our conversations about education. Yes. Especially when I was in education school. I mean, you are an educator and I was in education school and I was learning all of this stuff, you know, right in the forefront of all the different philosophies of education and the psychology of it. I love our conversations when we get into like nitty gritty nerdy things about that mm-hmm. because it feels like maybe because it's sort of a third person, third body subject than like my personal life or your personal life. Mm-hmm. It feels like the most level playing field for us to talk through. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. And you were, uh, yeah, actively studying it. So I thought that that was super interesting to talk about. I think that that is one of the things that makes uh, sense to to have the third party outside activity <laughs> to talk about. We just are more interested in interpersonal communications, I would say. There's a lot of people that talk about baseball and <laughs> and I can see the value and the enjoyment of getting into kind of a sporting event like that. Yeah. Or, you know, people do that when they talk about shows that they're watching. That's true. That's true. Sometimes I feel sad that I can't engage people in those kinds of ways. Some people might say it's like shallow and surfacey, but I don't think it is. I think it's just a 
different way to engage people and it and it can be really fun and and lighthearted and there is a place for that I'm glad that that has come up because I do find that when people hear about our podcast or I just talk about my relationship with you and with my family often a comment is like wow you guys are so deep like all I can talk to my dad about is baseball kind of a thing so I feel that next time that happens I I should make an effort to honor that too and say you know like that doesn't have to be a bad thing I guess it would be best if both kinds of conversations could happen but you don't have to poo-poo the third party thing that's helping you connect because you're connecting well one place that we could do that if we wanted to probably would be musical theater we could geek out on that yeah and like oh, that'd be a third party thing we've actually probably mentioned this before on the podcast especially like last year when you came and we did dance classes together mm-hmm. there are times that i remember that like you also love musical theater because in my my life you've just been like mom who has had a lot more on her plate than being able to like listen to a show tunes album (laughs) Um, so it's kind of fun whenever I remember that and we do have conversations back and forth Mm -hmm. yeah either way you let me like crazy nerd out and I appreciate that too when I came we learned a combination for cats and that was especially memorable to me because it came out when I was in high school and right I saw it when it came out so yes that was a deep connection I'm so glad that was such a perfect combination for the day Well, this is fun just to like take a little dip into thinking about feedback and how we give it and receive it from each other as adults. Yeah. The biggest information reminder to me was just the being willing to ask, can I give you feedback rather than just giving it? I think that's a great takeaway. I think to ask for on both accounts, the double Mm -hmm. ask, can I give you feedback and can I receive your feedback? Finding places for both of those things. I think that's mm-hmm. great. It's a great takeaway. Definitely. Thanks, Mom. High five. High five. Thank you for listening to Hug and a High Five. Yep, thanks for listening. If you'd like to suggest a topic, ask us a question, or share your mom-daughter story, please email us at podcast at gmail.com. That's podcast at gmail.com. All words, Hug and a High Five podcast at gmail.com. Have a great week.